0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the podcast. We are going to catch you up on some stuff we've been up to. We're going to conclude the story on these trucks that we've been talking about with the engine swaps. Um, so, let's start there. Uh, I believe it was episode 74. We told you uh, about all the trucks and the catastrophic failures. So, I have now been driving the 2006 Freightliner for a couple of weeks after we got it out of the shop. Um I wish, and, and maybe I should try to like do a video where we break all this down because what, to me, all of these from the truck with the illegal engine to going through with the DD-15 and all that we learned with that, there's so many things that we've learned along the way that I, if I had known, you know, three trucks ago what I know now, but I couldn't have learned all that had I not gone through this. Um, you know, we replaced wiring harnesses in this truck because the transmission doing loops destroyed them. Well, that was like a 1000 bucks for wiring harnesses. And now I can look at a truck and say, well, most of the time with an older truck, if you're going to have a problem that's going to be really difficult to find, it's going to be in a wiring harness. Well now I can look at a truck and say we well, you know for probably six hours of labor and a thousand bucks I can replace all the wiring, all the ABS wiring that gives you gremlins, headlights, all that kind of stuff. So that's what's been interesting to me um, that the things that we've learned along the way from each one of these trucks. It's like I get a new little piece of information. Um, so I've now been driving the truck for two weeks. Um, it's running pretty good. Fuel mileage is a little off, um, but you know, it's got a 2005 14 liter, um, and we've got a little bit, you know, a little bit more to do to it, I think, um, suspension wise. So, um, what would you add in, uh, to, you know, to close out the story on these trucks and, and where we're at right now?
1: Well, just like you say, I mean, it's been a, it's been a learning experience. Um, you know, we we solved a lot of issues um, that we didn't know. Well, w- doing this has taught us that we spent a lot of money on some other trucks trying to fix gremlins that we would have been better off just doing this instead, you know. Right. We threw a whole lot of money at the truck that got totaled for little wiring gremlins, you know, gremlins. Um dash stuff gauges falling out things like that that now had we known how easy it was to do this we could have, limit, we could have saved a ton of money that we spent trying to chase that down yeah but it's just, i mean it's experience i mean that's that's he doesn't take it in whatever you know arena you want to we're we're gaining experience that we didn't have before and um we're learning from it sometimes it's we're learning it at at great expense but we're learning <laughs> and and we're uh you know we're Lived fight another day, um, but uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I think we learned a lot on this deal, you know, and uh, and you know we've taken a truck that you know we were going to have to do some things to it anyway down the down the line. It it had it was deleted when we bought it, and you know we knew that, and and now we've got all these f- problems fixed, you know, and so um, you know we you know we got a motor in it that's got. You know, hundred and fifty thousand miles on it, maybe that we built. We know exactly how it was built, and so that truck's now good for you know a long time. Um, And before we had no idea what the engine had been through. Guy was a, a cowboy flatbedder. Who knows? You know, probably it may not have lasted another month. You know, so yeah. You know, um, hate that we had to spend that kind of money, but you know, at the end of the day, it's just money and. You know the truck's making money now. We, you know, and and it's just a matter of time before we, um, you know, absorb that and and, and and go on. So I'm I'm still happy. I, I I we I would make the decision to do it again. Um, I don't really think that we, um, you know, it 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 just it going through the process was good for us to do it.
0: You know, yeah. and we've learned a lot. Well, and- I would not <clears throat> I would not hesitate to take a, say, a 2000 to 2007 Freightliner, you know, and as, and as far as trying to take the knowledge that we've accumulated and pass it on to someone else, I would not hesitate to buy a 2000 to 2007. I would prefer the 2000 to 03 so I can get the 12.7. Right. But Mm -hmm. I would, but I would accept an Oh four to Oh seven with a 14, Mm. but I wouldn't hesitate to bring it home and set it on jack stands because there's so many things now that I understand that can be done relatively inexpensively. If you're taking your time and, and if you've got some mechanical expertise or you have someone close to you that, uh, some you know, like our Carl um, you know to say okay i'm I'm going to go ahead and just replace this ABS harness I'm going to go ahead and replace this uh, this bulkhead you know the harness that goes to the headlights and the horn and and the engine interface harness um, because in the grand scheme of things it's not very expensive and it it, well, it,
1: and the other thing is, we, we you know it it's just a guessing game trying to figure out what people have done to these things. You know they've right. been, you know you 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 get into it and you start tearing the tape off and you see all these things that they've done to it, and there's no way of knowing what they did. Right. By just eliminating it and and putting a new harness on it, you know, uh, it it just eliminates all of that mystery of what has been done. And we know what kind of work has been done because we know what kind of people have been doing the work, you know? So, um, yeah, it's no question. It, 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 would say, it would have saved us money in the long run had we done that to every truck we had, you know, mm-hmm. before we put it on the road.
0: And, and had that black truck, you know, <laughs> they had the motor completely disassembled, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, if, if, if you're doing an in-frame, right? So my in-frame, which was new cylinder bearings, a new head, new rocker assembly. I think we reused my injectors. It was $19,997. Okay. so 20 grand. At that point, what's another 1500 bucks, you know, to replace those, what'd be three wiring harnesses. You got your, uh, you you got your your bulkhead to to the front of the truck, which is all your headlights and um, your horn, all that kind of stuff. Your ABS harness, which gremlins always find the ABS harness and live in it, and then your engine interface harness that connects from the ECM to the to the chassis. You're you're talking about maybe another yeah. Twenty five hundred bucks. Call it three thousand dollars. When you're doing an in frame, that and <clears throat> and run new battery cables, a new ground, a new big fat ground wire, and a new positive battery cable. That can't be more than a hundred bucks, you know, b- because the the electrical issues that we chased on that black truck were all in the power wire, one hundred percent the power wire and the ground and we chased it and chased it and chased it and chased it. And so here's a funny story about the, about the blue truck that we put the motor in. So I go up there and the guy is just thrashing for days trying to get this thing together. And he says, I got no ignition power and we're crawling all over this thing. All right. Now I'm standing there and I'm thinking, maybe we should check the ignition switch, you know, but I didn't want to say it out loud because I felt like a fool, you know, to, to, cause here's a, here's a seasoned certified mechanic. How's he not going to think of checking the ignition switch? You know, so I'm just going, I'm going to keep my dumb ass mouth shut. I'm not going to say a word. Well, I had to leave. I was going to say, got how a, hard, how hard was that? I, I, I got, I got a video text from the, service manager about two hours later the engine running i said <laughs> what was it he said the uh wires were unplugged from the back of the ignition switch <laughs> if i had just opened my mouth you know because on the Freightliner, it just it just slides on to the back of the key so what we think happened there was a sign taped on the inside of the windshield that said do not start the engine because the people in Portsmouth wanted to check the main bearings. So when they pulled the pan off after the transmission broke, they didn't tighten the main bearing caps back on. They just they just snugged it all up and threw the oil pan back on it. So they're like, here's a sign. I think what happened is their extra piece of insurance to make sure somebody didn't get up there and didn't read the sign, they reached up and down and just unplugged the ignition switch. Mm-hmm. I bet you that guy chased that thing for four hours. Trying to figure out why he couldn't get ignition power, and he's like, "Okay, well, I'm going to check the switch." So, I said that to say this. So many times I've seen Carl do it, and I've seen and I've I've experienced it another place. Start with the easy stuff first. Check the fuses. Check, you know. That, that black truck with the, you know, the gauges would go crazy all the time, and we just couldn't figure out what it was and what it turned out to be after the wreck and after thing, everything was disassembled, the ground wire that goes from the battery to the front of the chassis was almost in two. But who would have thought? Who would have thought to really, of course, it's buried in a bunch of loom and, you know, but who's really going to go that far to take all that stuff apart, you know? And so it has simplified my view of these, truck, of these freight liners. You know, we have a Volvo now and I'm not as comfortable with it. But with these C120 freight liners, my view of them is so simplified now because I've seen the dash torn apart. I've seen the wiring harnesses removed from the frame. I have seen really how simple this stuff is. And now I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, instead of waiting for some wire that got rubbed against another wire because of salt from the wintertime. You know, a a few hours of labor and, uh, uh, you know, a thousand fifteen hundred $1,500 worth of parts could save thousands of dollars in lost revenue. You know, that's, you know, you want to look at, well, I'm going to spend $2,500 on something that's not broke. I guarantee you, in the first year of operation, you will save that $2,500 and then some, you know, by going ahead and, and addressing these little electrical gremlins. Um, another issue we had with the truck, we go to take for a test drive and I'm biking out of the shop and I can hear this sound like an air compressor leak sound and we can't find it. We look and, you know, so I drive it down to the truck stop. And, and I'm standing there, and I realize, oh, the unloader valve is stuck. I had this on my truck um, because the when the when the when the unloader is supposed to pop up and allow the air to be channeled back into the intake. Well, that that unloader valve gets stuck. So I stopped. I think it was I think $75, and I sat there and did it myself. You know, it took me 30 minutes. And I popped the unloader valve out, put a new one in, it's good as new. But see, that's, that's the problem. I only knew that. I only had that knowledge because of the experience. And that's what's so hard to come by. If you want to be an owner-operator and you want to reap those benefits of self-employment, of building customers, of making money, it, there's no textbook you know, for, for this stuff, it comes through experience. And of course we want to try to find ways to share that, but we learn something new with every truck. And that's, that's the intangible um, benefit of experience that either people don't want to share for whatever reason. And I've just met people that have knowledge and I've asked them for knowledge and they just don't want to give it to you for whatever reason. Either they don't know how to communicate it or they feel like, they got to hoard it or something, you know, that, that's, um, I guess that's what makes us weird because we like to share that experience, but you know, I, <sighs> well, and,
1: and sometimes people are just, they're just insecure about their knowledge. You know, they, really don't want to talk to you about it because they really don't know what the hell they're doing anyway. You know, Right. if you start asking questions and you're going to go, well, wait a minute, I don't don't know the answer to that. Especially if you ask them that, that all important question, you know, why? You know, there's the answer that you're waiting for. Okay. And, and they, they can't, you know, so, um, you know, you're, you're, you make a good point, and people are listening are going to go, well, how am I going to get that knowledge if I don't have it? You know, I'm not a mechanic. I didn't do that. I'll tell you the easiest way to get it, and I harp on my guys all the time. When you take your truck to the shop and have work done on it, don't go to the restaurant. Don't sit in the – I mean, unless they run you out of the shop, you know, which some of them will. I'll give you that, but a lot of them won't. You know, stand there and watch, and ask questions, and you know, warm up to the person working on your truck, and just say, "Hey, I'm just trying to learn. What, what do you, why, why did you just do that?" That's what I mean. That's how you learn is to ask questions. Yeah. You know, well, and the and, and the that's best not a class way, you have to go take. You know, that's just just asking
0: questions every time you have a chance. You know, and, and the best way at Landstar to do that is don't run from your 120 day inspection. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, use it as an opportunity. Right to find a shop because we've seen both sides of this. Right, we have probably the greatest single living mechanic on planet Earth who is also a Landstar 120 inspector. You know, most people run from him because he'll fail your truck. Yeah, he'll go he, there because damn it, Carl. Don't let Carl look at that. He'll right. fail, you know. he'll fail you. You know, and
1: he won't. He won't feel bad because that's his job. Right, and he won't fail you for stuff that doesn't matter. He fails you because your truck failed.
0: Right, you know? right yeah but then like this very truck that we're talking about this guy must have had a buddy somewhere that was a Landstar inspector that just rubber stamped him every time because that truck was horribly out of compliance oh, there, was, car, that, yeah. there was nothing legal about that we truck. bought
1: that truck with a brand new inspection on it and it <laughs> wouldn't pass inspection if we drove it straight to the to a shop you know when we after we bought it and there's no way it would have passed inspection
0: But if you know that every 120 days you need to have somebody underneath and on top of your truck, then find someone that you can build a relationship with that will be your backstop every 120 days that can get under your truck and not only find stuff that's legitimately wrong with it, but like with Carl, we've. We prevent a lot of stuff because he gets under the oh well we got to fix this and we got to fix that. It's not a failure issue, but it's something that will fail if it's left alone. Yeah. And I see people in groups all the time. Well, oh, hey, uh, where do I get my truck inspected? You know, and it's just totally at random. And uh, then you're really in a crapshoot because I would not let somebody that I don't trust do my 120. Not a chance. Um, well, the problem with some shops, I won't
1: mention any names, but they only get paid about 60 bucks from Landstar to do that inspection. And there's no way they can make any money at that. So the only way that they can justify doing it is to find something that they need to fix. And they know that they know that you've got you because you can't move the truck right. once they fail you. So it doesn't matter what it is. You can't you there's no there's no arbitrator, there's no negotiation. You either fix it or you tow it out of there one or the other. You know, a lot of people complain about that. And it can be abused, which is again why it's important that you find somebody that you can trust that will do. You know, you don't want to find somebody that will pass you and 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 then and then they're liable for you, you know, losing a wheel and killing somebody down the road but you don't want somebody to that you want to find somebody that will fix, find the problems that are truly problems, not have to create a problem just because they need to make a hundred dollars instead of making 65 for the hours work that they just did, you know? Yeah. And uh, so the motivation has to be, you know, it has to be legitimate, but, but that's, that's critical, you know, and a lot of guys shy away from it because it's a, it's 120 day uh, curse, you know, Oh God, I've got to go get these truck inspected this month, you know? Where can I go where I know they want, they'll let me go, you know? Um, and that's just the wrong way of looking at it. You know, that's, no, you're, that's the one that's going to be on the side of the road, you know, with an unexpected repair and you're, you know, somebody's now recovering your load and all these kinds of things. So, yeah. Well,
0: I would like I to think that bad shops will eventually get caught in that if, if they do have the buddy system and they let somebody go and then the next day they go and and fail a DOT on the side of the road, you know, that that shop's going to be held accountable. Um, You you hope, but you know, you just, you just never know.
1: The other thing is, um, well, yeah, you're right. But I I don't know. I don't know how closely they watch that. I mean, it's got 10,000 trucks. So it means, you know, every four months they got to go through 10,000 inspections. You know, that's a lot of work for probably one person's desk down there. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: so I don't know, it, it, we give advice to run old trucks and we do it successfully, which is why we advise it. Um, but that's also why we tell you to come here. Um, because you know, our drivers can tell you, uh, that they learn, um, you know, we've used this analogy a few times, like Mr. Miyagi, you know, wax on, wax off. You do it enough times, it starts to sink in. And and when you're doing it, you know, on our dime and at our risk level and not your own, it just gives you a safe environment to learn all of this stuff. But, you know, we should be able to um, package this information in a way that we can, you know, provide it to other people so that um, cause we can't hire everybody, you know? Um, so I was thinking about, you got anything you want to cl- close that segment out with? I've yeah, got, no, okay. I I well, fine. I'd love to talk about this independent contractor thing. Um, just, uh, last week, uh, Uber and Lyft threatened to leave California. And I guess a judge intervened at the last hour. Uh, and this crazy woman, um, Lorena something. Bobbit. Bob, I don't know. Bobbit. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> wrong crazy woman. R- wrong crazy woman. Yeah. Same, same, almost the same results though if you yeah. lived in California. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what I um what really bothers me about this, and, and it and it's an it's an issue of ignorance. Now let me um, let me let me back up. For those
1: of you who didn't catch it, we're talking about the California AB five legislation.
0: Yeah. No, so Go ahead. Um, there's a level of ignorance in in American society, and it, it people will look and, and so here so here's an issue. You know, they're saying, "All right, Lyft and Uber, you're going to have to classify your." your contractors as employees or, you know, we're going to shut you down and Uber and Lyft just aren't going to do that because these people set the legal definitions aside. These people are not employees. They're just, they're just not, you know, Um, but people don't understand people walking up and down and that are voting for these people like this, this goofy woman in California, um, that has assigned herself to be the savior of, of, of all the, of all the employees. Um, it's, it's just kind of sad that this is all paper. It's just, it's just paper. You know, it, the only reason it matters is because of taxation. That's, that's, that's really what this all comes down to is classifying people in how they pay taxes. It, well, it's control. Yeah.
1: Because they can't collect those taxes as easily on, on, on independent contractors, you know? Because you don't have that, you don't have the employer, the employer supervision. See what a lot of people don't understand is that when you become an employer, you're required now to become an agent of the state. You, you know, withholding is not something that we choose to do. We, we have to do that. It's a requirement that if you work for me as an employee, I have to, to withhold a certain percentage of your, of your check for, uh, for for taxes and Social Security and Medicare, I, I don't have a choice with that. That's and then if you get behind on your child support or things like that, then I'm gonna get a, I get a coil to, to hold that. You know, it's not something that we decide as employers. Okay, so you know if if everybody's an employee, then they have this automatic agent of the state. That by the way, the state doesn't pay anything to have done. You know. So I have, I'm, I'm straddled with the obligation to do it. I have to do, I have to physically do it. I have to pay for the legal and, and accounting um, work to be done. And I, 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 there's no benefit to it. doesn't benefit me to withhold your money whatsoever. You know, I've got to fill out the forms. I've got to, you know, let's grow the money. I've got to send, you know, it's a lot of work for an employer. So if, they can get everybody to become employees. Guess what? Everybody's employer has to do that requirement. Now, as an independent contractor, you're supposed to do that. But if you don't, you're a whole lot harder to track down than an employer. You know. Um, but how many people do? How many? How many truck drivers do you know <laughs> that haven't filed an income tax return in 15 years? You know. Hear about them every day. You right. know? eventually, they will get caught. But that's the problem. That's what this is all about. There's a whole bunch of money that owed the government out there that they can't get their hands on because the enforcement of that is so costly and so burdensome that they can't do it. So if we make everybody an employee, guess what? Every employer in the state or the country now becomes by default an IRS agent because it's it is it is my responsibility. I'm now beholden to them to perform this task. For them, and take the money out of your check.
0: And you know, there's, there's a, I think there's kind of a similarity and analogy with what's happening now with mask mandates. I was going to say the same thing. The the state knows damn well that they can, you know, issue their magic decree for me to wear a mask, and it's, it's useless. You know, they, they. As an individual, they would have to have an equal number of enforcement agents in order to, hey, citizen, put on your mask. Right. But what they can do is they can turn every restaurant and every gym uh, and every grocery store into agents of the state Mm -hmm. that are going to make sure. Because they
1: have to have a health license or a business license, there is something that they've got over them that they can take away if they don't comply.
0: And yep. they
1: can't do that to an individual citizen, you know. Yeah, so You're right,
0: it's the exact same thing, you know. It, it it's the similarities are uncanny. Um, and of course you just have these ignorant people um, that have been, you know, have have spent their lives in government schools but they don't understand those the the difference in what an employee does versus what a contractor does and they hear something on the news and oh well um yeah i i guess uber drivers should have worker protections whatever that means you know they always they always find these these fancy little terms to use to convince you to give up your um inalienable rights but Um, you know, the market is so fascinating because there was no central planning that created Uber and Lyft, right? There was no agency of the government by chance, right? right? There was no agency of the government, the president, whoever was the president at the time when Uber started, you know, could have, hell, it could have been Bush. I don't even know. But, uh, let's say it was Obama okay, there was nobody in the Obama administration that says, you know what, man, there's a lot of people around here that have cars and lots of people that need rides. Um, well, somebody, you know, we by by decree of the state, we're going to have somebody create an app. No, the, it was a spontaneous creation of the market where somebody says, well, I mean, we've got these smartphones and if we created an app, then people that have cars could contact people that need rides and we can Put them together, and that you know mini sidebar here. So I'm not going to get too far off the rails. But to me, that's what's so fascinating about what's going on now. seeing the market runs so fast at innovation, and the state can't keep up. And you know they're just they're just hung in this mask mandate and vaccines, and you know and all this all these solutions. But the market is going is already running ahead of all of that. So I don't I don't have a kind of doomsday look about what's going on. I mean, there's a lot of stupidity going on in the world right now. There's no doubt about that. And they're going to cause a whole lot of people, a whole lot of pain. But I don't have a doomsday look at it. You know, I'm I'm sitting back here going, Okay, well you guys keep screwing it up and and you're just hurting yourself. You're never gonna hurt me, you know. Um our business has thrived through all of this. I mean, we're back to normal and then some. You know, we had a minor dip. We had a period of time where we had to work. When Larry had to work unbelievably hard chasing loads and trying to keep everybody running. But you know, we did. We did. We we were unaffected. <clears throat> you know, in, compared to what a a lot of the hell that a lot of people are living through right now, I mean, it was a speed bump. You know, which mm-hmm. again, you were an operator uh in the 2008 2009 debacle uh, i wasn't i was just a company driver it's when i started yeah so you lived through that now we've been through this so
1: i, I remember I, had, I remember we our, our fuel card had a 999 ninety nine dollar limit okay you couldn't buy any more than that. i remember going i could never fill i could never check my fuel mileage because i could never do a fill up because it always costs more than 999 dollars to fill those tanks up. Wow! Now imagine that. Now, right now, if you filled up two fifteen, would it be four fifty, maybe oh, at yeah. most five hundred?
0: Yeah, five hundred bucks. <clears throat> you know, and I could I drive can, a week on I that. I could never <laughs> fill
1: up. I mean, i have to. I'd have to go fill up at one station. I'd have to stop at another one four hours later and top it up to, to check my fuel mileage because I couldn't buy enough fuel to do it. But yes,
0: I died, I, 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 Chris. Yeah. But, you know, that. but see, that's the, th- so I had a conversation with a guy this week. And basically what he was asking was, well, you could have a truck payment. And so I said, yeah, yeah, you could have a $2,500 truck payment. And probably an extra four or $500 a month in insurance. You certainly, the math works, right? It, you can't deny that. You know, if you go out and you earn the money, sure, you could, you know, pay the trial payment until you went in the shop for two weeks, until you wanted to take off and go on vacation, until you wanted to specialize yourself in a way where you didn't run a ton of miles, but you made pretty good money. You know, and you got this $2,500, $3,000 a month uh, chain around your neck, you know.
1: Or, or until rates dropped to $1.25 a mile and you can't afford to run.
0: Yeah. For you three know.
1: months. What do you do then?
0: Right. See, that, and it's, that's, that was the back end of the story, you know. Of course, he heard, you know, last week we interviewed Judy, you know, and, and Judy and her husband probably had a $2,500 a month truck payment. Probably.
1: You know, well, they, yeah, they probably did. I mean, I don't you know, know what they paid down, but you you they, they have a truck payment. That's for sure. Right.
0: Well, they and, and <coughs> loan most of the loan mountain deals that I've seen <coughs> on a new truck is like ten thousand down, twenty five hundred dollars a month for sixty months or something. Okay. Like that. You know. I so, wouldn't know, but that's, right. That that's that was pretty standard. You know, for for the loan mountain deal, right? Twenty six fifty or something like that. Okay. But like she said. When you're making six to seven thousand dollars a week because you've built a thriving booming business and you're you know that's that's an exception to the rule, but single truck owner operators with one driver you're you're not a part of that you know now you certainly if you don't have a house and you don't have a wife and you don't have kids and you live in the truck <laughs> sure you know because here's the here's the question there are storefront businesses that never don't have a lease that they have to pay you know i talked to a guy at a shop the other day they pay twelve thousand dollars a month in rent you know um so the argument will be well if if the storefront business has to have a lease why can't i have one as a truck well put a DPF on that storefront business and, you know, and have it completely shut down for three weeks with no warning and see how well they do. You know, it's just, it's apples and oranges and it's unnecessary risk. That's the big point. It's not necessary. It would be one thing if it was necessary, but it's not necessary.
1: Well, and the point I was going to make to that is that the guy with the that With a $12,000 lease, I'm sure didn't go in and sign a, well, what I'm trying to say is that whatever business he's in, he probably has a better handle on running that business than a lot of people who get in trucking have never owned a business before and signed right. that lease for $2,500 a month and have no idea now what it's going to take to cover that payment. It never stops, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and I've made, I've said this over and over and over and over and over again, McDonald's won't let you come in there and sign a piece of paper and open a McDonald's restaurant with no experience and no credit, no history, no, no anything, you know, but we will in the trucking business. You, you, I, I don't, you, you have zero anything. Sign this lease and we'll let you do it. Um, so the, it, it, you know, the business, it, it's just not even comparable. You know, the, the the problem with with any kind of truck payment in trucking is that, for for the the biggest problem is that the person doing the operating does not run it like a business doesn't even know what its cost per mile is much less what that means, and um, you know, the 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 the, the you know, going into business is 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 a decision Just buying a truck starting a business, it's a decision, okay? Staying in business, however, is a skill set, is an art form. Yep. It's something that you may or may not already have. And if you can't get it, if you don't have it quickly, you won't be there very long. So it, that, that decision to sign that paper and get that lease truck, that's easy. That's really, really easy. But sit down and talk to me about how you stay in business. What do you? What did? How are you going to stay in business? The last three or four months we had when nobody pre- predicted this. How many people could not pull freight at a buck and a half a mile and make a profit? You know, um, that's why all these trucks are for sale right now. You yeah. know, that's why rates are so high right now. Capacity, you know, that the 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 equilibrium has been reached. You know, before the before the uh, pandemic. Rates were really bad because we had too much capacity and not enough freight. well, it's been taken care of well you can say what you want about the pandemic, but one good thing about it is it's gotten the capacity straightened back out again,
0: you know, oh yeah, yeah, so you know well, and like we were we were having a conversation today about about drivers, right, and so you know we have run into fleet owners that have that have trucks sitting and can't find drivers. Um, we have fixed that, um, because this podcast attracts really good drivers, you know, but they're, you talk to every one of them and they say, well, I can't find drivers. They'll come here and work for me three weeks and quit or, but you, when it comes to Landstar, um, or probably Mercer anywhere or having your own authority, Somewhere where you have so much where you are responsible for loading the truck, that probably there's a disproportionate number of people that are attracted to Landstar that are company drivers because they're they're kind of renegade a little bit, you know, and they and and they well, yeah, I could I could go over there and do that, um, but they can't shake the company driver mentality, and then they come over here and they get their world rocked and they have a major culture shock and they don't know how to to work the system. They don't know how to work with the agents and they get thrown to the wolves pretty much. And then, yeah, and then they're, they're gone, you know, because a company driver's not going to put up with <coughs> a lot of the stuff that we do as a, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's negatives to being here, uh, but we, we learn how to work through them. And if you just pulled, if you just grabbed a random guy off the street, and says, "Hey, you want a trucking job? Sure. Where you at, Landstar? Okay. Well, here's a board, and here's the keys, and uh, just you know, go call the agents and and book yourself some freight. That the failure rate would probably be ninety five percent, you know. And it's you take all that and put it on top of having a three thousand dollar truck trucking insurance payment, and you're doomed. And
1: a lot of people would go by the truck just to come here. They had zero experience driving owning a truck until they came to Landstar. Talk about being thrown in the frying from fine pan into the fire. You know, go back to the thing you said about a go, you know, you said something about minimizing risk and, and that's what this is all about. I mean, that's what that's, that's the whole thing about being in business. I mean, the, the, like I just said, going into business, deciding to, deciding to, to buy a truck and, and go into business. That's just a decision but staying in business is all going to be dependent on how well you can minimize risk. Okay. So if, if minimizing risk is such a big part of this, why would you set yourself up from failure from the get go by having this big truck payment when you could opt not to have that, that's a decision. You know, that's not a requirement. You don't have to have a $2,500 a month truck payment to come to Landstar you don't have to have a $2,500 truck payment to go, into, to, be, to go anywhere and be in trucking, you know? And that's the whole crux of our, you know, of our model is that don't spend that kind of money on Don't spend anything. I mean, don't, don't go into debt at all, but if you do go into debt for $10,000, you know, 15 grand, you know, something yeah. that you can afford to absorb if things go bad, you know? Um, the, this, this thing about minimizing risk, everything that we do is designed to minimize risk. You We're know, lowering the cost of getting into the business, lowering the cost of your fuel, lowering the cost of your maintenance. All those are designed to minimize risk, you know, because that is the secret to to, to staying in business, you know. Uh, the other thing is understanding who your customer is. And that's the biggest problem that people have at Lancer when they come here because the first... The first complaint, the first argument, the first the, – it's their fault that that happens is between them and an agent. You know, I didn't get the yep. attention. I didn't get – you know, they took the load. I got over there and the load was whatever reason. And then now they, the agents become their enemy instead of their customer. There's no way. There's no way you're going to make it here if, you're, if your attitude is that the agents are the enemy. Never, ever, ever going to happen. The agents are your customer let me let me give you an example of something. Everybody wants to make money, right? Well, unless yep. you're going to print it in your basement, all the money that you will ever make in your life is in the hands of somebody else today. There's not a mine yep. of money somewhere, okay? All the money is in somebody's hands, okay? To get it into your hands, that's the art. What can you do besides pulling a gun out and threatening them for them to willingly hand you money in return for what you did for them? And even better, do it over and over and over again. That's business. You can't go out here and create new business. There's nothing new under the sun. You're going to go out here and you're going to convince somebody to give you money for what you just did to deserve it. I don't care if it's mowing yards or driving a truck, you know, you're not going to go find a money mine. You're going to have to figure out how to get that person to give you some of their money. Well, let me tell you something, getting on Facebook and, and bitching about, about agents is not the way to make that work. You know, no. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's, that's the number one thing that they do wrong is they don't understand that that's who that's where the money is coming from that they so badly need but they don't understand that. i give an example of a guy, uh, a guy at, at, um, at Landstar that has been running a dedicated route FedEx up and down I-95 from Jacksonville to Elizabethtown, New Jersey, for a long, long time for the same agency um, over and over and over again. Well, evidently something happened this week. Uh, another truck fell off or, or, or something. Anyway, he volunteered to go from Jacksonville halfway to New Jersey on his own. Recover the load and deliver it for the agent for zero money, zero. Wow! Money. Now, people look at that and go, well, "You must be an idiot." No, he's not an idiot. The guy's made thousands of dollars serving this customer. Okay, and when the customer needed, you know, there was a there was a post the other day, the same thing. Well, how, how do I get how do how do you get these agents to give you this good freight? I never see that kind of freight. Maybe because you didn't help them out. Maybe, maybe had you helped them out, you'd see people just don't understand. You can't start at the top, you know. you 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 have to you have to take the crumbs, prove yourself, build the relationship, then you work at it hard enough. You'll get. You know, when I was in when I started out as a photographer years and years and years ago. I would do anything. I will work my tongue, my butt off for very very little money. Okay, and I uh I, you know I, I five years ten years down down the road, I look up and I'm getting all this business, and I'm like, man, I am so lucky to get all this business. And then I saw and started thinking, wait a minute, this is really not just a windfall. I'm now reaping all the benefits of all that time I did work and didn't make anything. All that effort now is coming back, you know, and and I'm being rewarded, you know, now for work that I did ten years ago. That concept is lost Yeah. For people that are new in business, you know, um, especially this. You know, I can't I have to say, sound like an old geezer, but this new generation, you know, they want to start out as CEO, you know, instead right. of sweeping the floor. And that's an extreme example, but you can't come to Landstar and get on $5 a mile freight. That's just not going to happen, you know? And so, you know, you're going to have to build yourself up with a few agents that, you, that like you and you like them. We've got a perfect example. We got a guy now that's been with us since October, been booking his own freight since probably January. Mm-hmm. The last two weeks in a row, on his own, he has done over seventy five hundred dollars gross revenue to the truck you know seventeen eighteen hundred dollars to himself and and it 's all with the same three or four or five agents over and over and over again every couple of weeks because he 's developed that relationship you know yep he understands how it works he got it, and now he 's doing it and now he 's getting the benefit, you know, of it. So, you know, as he goes on to get his own truck, that, that 1800 was going to turn into 3,500, you know.
0: Oh but yeah.
1: He's ready for that. So anyway.
0: Well, and <clears throat> you know, people here will, they'll ask that question. Well, how do I get what go run freight, you know, go haul freight, whatever you can find, whatever you can get your hands on. And communicate well with the agent do what they ask you to do show up early deliver on time um and and you will make contact with them. you know because while it's true there's a lot of freight that never hits the board because there's somebody to cover it well people break down people get sick things happen and all of a sudden now this high dollar freight shows up on the board because when it's got to move, it's got to show up. Somebody's got to get it. And, and oh, wow, I, I didn't even know this was available. And now you've made contact. And if you do a good job, well, if they pick up another lane and they're going to remember who did a good job for them, you know. Right. But I, I know there, are, I guarantee you, there are guys that have pissed away um, opportunities that, they've gotten to, to run this good stuff and then they screw it up and then <laughs> probably yell at the agent and make it their fault. It's just. Absolutely. It's I unconstant. said this last week for Judy. I'll restate it again.
1: You see, it's easy to eliminate your company. You know, people go, how do I do that? Well, you have, to, you have to set yourself apart from everybody else. And the way you do that is to eliminate your competition. And it's very simple. And it's not trucking. It's business. Okay. It's very, four very easy steps. Do what you said you were going to do. Do it when you said you were going to do it do it like you said you were going to do it and do it for the price you said you were going to do it. Now that's very elementary, but only 10% of people do that. Okay. Right. 90% of businesses fail and it's everybody's fault except theirs, you know? So it, it's, it's, it's not, this is not rocket science. It's not easy, but it's not complicated because it's not easy because you have to actually do this shit. You know, if you say you're going to do it, you got to do it, you know? And, uh, and there's no excuses, you know? Um, I mean, how many times have we, you know, through, you know, you and I will get brainstorming and we'll solve a problem to keep from having to tell an agent that we can't deliver the freight. How, how many times right. have we done that? Oh. You, and I, you know, you know, <laughs> so any hours of the day or the weekend, it doesn't really matter. You know, you have to make it happen. You know, sometimes you have to, it costs you money to make it happen. But what's more important, short range loss for a few bucks or long-range loss of reputation and relationship with that customer,
0: you know. Well, and i i use I use this example, and we we uh, my wife and I started a project on the side to help homeschoolers because there's a bunch of people that found themselves to be accidental homeschoolers in the last few months, and <laughs> so so we had we we had this meeting, right? And we wanted to get people together and and um, and let them. Um, you know, answer questions and all that. kind. So stuff. everybody's freaked out, you know. And this this lady asked a question, um, you know, about not having her kids fall behind and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I said, look, we, <clears throat> we need to teach reading, writing, and math. Reading, writing, and math. Everything else will work, work out. If you can read, you can comprehend what you read, and you can write, and you can do math. The history, the science, all that stuff falls into place. And I use the example of our fleet. People come here and and I am not only have a, a, a position of authority, but I also have to be a teacher and mentor. And I have to take people where they are. Right. And we have to make sure before we bring them in, they know what they're getting into you know so first you have to determine okay is this for you is this do you really want to do this do you really want to go through this process and then once you have determined that then you have to meet them where they are at their skill level at their knowledge level at their experience level and I gave this example I said look when I was 30 years old I wasn't making enough money and I always had an entrepreneurial streak and I thought well <clears throat> I need to go out and provide some sort of service. Well, my whole life I had always taken really good care of my cars, you know, wash and wax and detail, all that kind of stuff. I was really good at it. I thought, well, I'm good at it, so I'll go do that. Pressure washing, set up this mobile auto detail thing. Had a I had a hundred gallon water tank in the bed of my pickup truck and I had I had generators and pumps and and tarps and all this kind of stuff. And I could go sit up anywhere in a parking lot and wash and detail a car. So it's all set up, had everything I needed, except one thing. I hated it. Like, really, really bad hated it, you know. And so I put all the effort into building this business. And like two weeks in, I'm going, oh, my God, this sucks. This, this absolutely sucks. Because that's, hard, that's hard-ass work. You know, that's really hard work it, when you're doing it for fun and you're doing your own car once a month or, you know,
1: cause you got a big date and you want to get everything all
0: cleaned up, right. you know? And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do it for
1: it, somebody else on demand.
0: Oh, it's torture. Yeah. It was absolute torture, you know? Yeah. And that's where I, we, we try to get through the interview process to make sure, okay, do you, do you really want to do this? Right. And that's, the the industry has made it so easy, unfortunately. Oh yeah, we'll your truck. Here you go. Here's the key. Sign right here. Yeah, absolutely. And then
1: you see. Oh, by the way, failure is an option. Oh yeah, we really want you to fail.
0: Yeah, and and then you get over there and you're going, uh, okay. Well, this sucks. You know, and, and now you're signed up. You know, and there's no out. If you buy a $10,000 truck and come to Landstar and it sucks and you hate it, guess what? You can sell that truck for $10,000 and go back to be a company driver. You know, risk managing and understanding risk, but you know, one of the minimizing risk. Yeah. And you know, and one of the main reasons that we are homeschoolers is because I don't want my kids wandering into life as clueless as I was after 12 years of government education. You know, <laughs> I want them to have that reading, writing, and math, reading, writing, and math. I want them to have that fundamental so that they're not walking out. And And I, I had a great talk with my 14 year old this morning because we're unschoolers, um, you know, which is just a, it's a counterculture thing, you know, but we don't, we don't have a very regimented process with education. We, we just learn as we go with life. And I told her, I said, look, I'm, I'm fine with unschooling, you know? And we, first we talked about to make sure we really defined what that meant. And I said, my biggest concern for y'all is work ethic. You know, the, the ability to activate yourself, you know, and my, my daughter's a, a little chef. She she, she's creative. She's artistic. She's musical. And You know, and so I'm always getting these pictures of some new concoction that she's come up with, you know, and she's in the kitchen. Well, I come home from being on the road and the kitchen looks like a disaster zone. And I said, uh, listen, hey, I, I love how creative you are and I love how you're getting in there and figuring it out. But. And she smiled, and I said, what comes next? She's like, I need to clean up after myself. I'm like, you're damn right you better because this place is a disaster, right? Right. But that work ethic, Yeah. you know, I mean, you can have more degrees than a thermometer and not be worth a plug nickel, you know? Yep. But that goes back to what we're talking about. That that what you said, s- somebody else has the money right now that you need to pay your bills next month. Hmm. So how are you going to get it? How are you going to demonstrate your value to those that person or those people, so that they're going to give you? Oh yeah, well here, here's a thousand dollars, here's two thousand dollars, here's ten thousand dollars. How are you going to get
1: it? And the second part of that, because how many times have you heard this? Oh, you got lucky. You went to Lancer and you had, blah 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 blah. You know, you you got all this. You you had you knew somebody. You got all this special freight. Okay. Well, first of all, that, that doesn't happen, but here, here's, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase my buddy Larry Winget here. You know, successful people, we, we have the same scars from battle that unsuccessful people do. It's no different. We're out there doing the same things. We get the same nose. We get the same, we have the same problems as everybody else. But, we had the satisfaction of knowing that we didn't quit just because it got hard. That's the difference. You know, you can't get on Facebook and whine and moan and bitch about whatever it is that caused your day to go bad. You just have to keep on going. You know, there's no way you can fail if you don't ever quit. You know, if you just keep working, you will eventually make it, you know, but too many people. Zig Ziglar used to have a, a an an analogy or, or an example, and he used a, a low, one of those old country um, the pump. Oh, pump. oh, yeah. What's the name? Of you that? remember that? You yes, know? Yes, I can see him in and, there. Yeah, that. and he yeah. would say, you know, you pump and pump and pump and pump and pump because you're pumping from way down the well. Okay. And, yeah. and too many people go, well, just, well damn it, this ain't going to work. And they quit, you know, and the very next pump would have been that cold well water, you know, yeah. they quit right before they got the water. And that's, you know, kind of a, a you know, a, a simplified thing, but you know, you, you, it, you just, there's no substitute for effort. There's no substitute. You know, I love these guys that come to us and they've got 20 years of experience, you know, and you start talking to them and you realize that no, they really don't have 20 years of experience. They've got one year of experience 20 times because they didn't learn anything after the first year, you know. So, you know, it, it, it's all about just effort, not giving up, minimizing risk, you know, and, uh, and, and just not doing um, things that are going to keep you, um, you, you know, f- shooting yourself in the foot,
0: you know. Yeah, I, I am. I am very optimistic about my future, the future for my kids. Even with all this insanity um, and distraction, that's what it is. It's a it's a big distraction to make you scared, to, so you'll give up your your freedom. Um, you know, but. You have to be willing, and I think that's part of the disease of Western American culture, is nobody wants to be wrong. They, they, are, they're, they have this identity crisis, and they're terrified that they'll be found inferior. And so uh, information is so easy to find now you know uh, i i was so angry <laughs> angry might might be a strong word okay so picture on instagram and it it's a it's from cnbc and it's a pie chart and and it says the uh, uh it was a breakdown of the spending of a 25-year-old that makes $100,000 a year and is really good with money, right? And I see this and I thought, well, that's that's kind of interesting. Here it is. The budget breakdown of a 25-year-old who makes $100,000 a year and is excellent with money, okay? So, this is a CNBC tweet, all right? So, I'm going to look into this. See, $270 in insurance, in groceries, $615 in donations, $825 in rent, and then internet and cell phone and house cleaner and dining out. So, I mean, it says he's really good with money. So I see this screenshot on Instagram. So I want context. So I go to Twitter and I look for this tweet and I find this tweet and the replies to this tweet we're so, well, nobody can make that much money. Um, good luck finding $825 rent. All of this just outrage. Well, I went and read the article, which I know that's not allowed in America 2020. Don't, don't, you don't ever read the article. Well, that $825 rent is one fourth of the rent because it's got three roommates. You know, so 8, 825 times four. And on all of the all of this detail and nuance was in the article. But nobody would go read the damn article. We're driven to outrage by headlines. Mm. You know? And yep. a lot of times, the headline has nothing, nothing to do with the article. Clickbait. It's clickbait. And I was just so incensed because I'm thinking, why don't you read them? Article. Mm-hmm. But we're driven to outrage and fear, and we're driven to the edge. And then we see it in these Landstar Star groups or other or other trucking, you know, related trucking industry-related groups. That that outrage now is, oh well, something didn't work out, you know, so I'm just gonna go off, or someone will you know, ask a question and then you go into the comment section, you find a bunch of people that say a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with the actual question was about Y'all, that's not nobody's fault but ours for being that ignorant that you can't see um, you know, well, President Donald Trump said X. Well did he really? I maybe not, you know. The Democrats said Well, did they, they might not have, you know, that that's, you can't bring a level of ignorance like that into business because it doesn't work because your customers don't care. They don't give a damn. People only care about the level to which you can serve them, you know? And if you allow that same kind of attitude to permeate your business, your business is going to fail, you know, because you got to have the stone cold facts, you know? So, but that's what we're dealing with. You know, we're dealing with people that come in that have one expectation based off of an experience as a company driver, and then they can't, they can't make the transition into a new identity. They can't make the transition into a different way of viewing the world and viewing themselves and viewing their customers and agents and all this kind of stuff. And that's where the failure happens. It's not because of the amount of money. It's, it's attitude, you know? So, all right, I'll get off my soapbox now.
1: Well, um, I think a lot of this craziness will go away the day after the election. So much of this is just the, 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 depths we will go in this country to beat the other side. Power is so intoxicating.
0: Orange man bad.
1: That the one side can't stand it, that the other side's got it, you know? And, um, you know, I think, I think, Without a vaccine, I think this pandemic will be gone on November fourth. Okay. Orange man, bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Other stupid. <you> know? <laughs> isn't it a shame that that's the choice we have? Isn't that the isn't that the the sad part about this? Is those the you know of uh, three hundred and fifty million people, and that's the best two we can come up
0: with. <laughs> yeah. I, it's I, I, you know. I, I hope to live to be, you know, 95 or a hundred because I can't wait to read the history of how this period of time really from about 2004 to now, you know, uh, 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 or even 2000, you know, why go from Y2K. I can't wait to read the book about 2000 to 2020. The. Wow. Because uh, hmm. you're right. I mean. the the two people that we are potentially going to give nuclear codes
1: (laughs) and all they can do is everything is nothing's about what's good for the country. Certainly it's not about what's good for us. It's what do we can, what can we construe, construct, make up whatever to destroy the other side. Yep. It's, you know, And then at the end of the day, they call it politics and we all go about our business. And well, you know, the other side, you know, it's the first time though in a long time that the losing side just would not give up, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, we've, this country's always been sort of, we've bewildered the rest of the world that every four years we gladly hand the keys to the White House from one person to another with no bloodshed. Okay. Right. Until this time, 2016. We're still bleeding, shed, sh- shedding blood. You know. Uh, do, you,
0: do you remember when? Um, what would that have been? The two thousand. Uh, Bush, the Clinton people removed all the W's from the keyboards and the. <laughs> yeah. Listen, hey, I'll go back to that. I mean, I I, I would totally accept. Hmm. Uh, we'll just remove all the W's from the keyboard. I'm right, totally fine right, with that because right. I, I told my wife, I gotta hope the debates happen because. I want to show my kids the debates between Trump and uh, and Biden. And then I want to go back and show them the debates between Al Gore and George W. Bush, because you can go look that up. People go look up the debates between Bush and, and Gore. They're so civil and they're so respectful. And Oh, yeah, I agree with what he said, but you know, here's what I would do different. And now we've got the WWE running for president. It's, (laughs) I mean, I wish they listen. If if somebody could get Trump or Biden, either one, to pick up a metal chair and hit the other one over the head,
1: I well, Trump Trump brought a lot of that on because you know he just he loved to pick a scab. You know, he just he gets so much thrill out of it. Yeah, you know, and, and it's the first time that really it's the first time in a long time that the Republican side of the House actually. You know stood up for themselves, you know and 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 the Democrats just can't stand it. they just cannot stand it that they've got somebody that you know is outing them look at all the stuff that's coming out about this campaign stuff from last you know from twenty sixteen now oh yeah. you know you know all they put every the one side put everybody on the other side in jail, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now it's starting to go it's starting to roll the other way, you know the uh, an attorney for the f b i pled guilty this week, yeah, you know. To doing, it's just, you know, Look, like I,
0: hate- I, I stand beside behind my statement that this is all because of the Daytona 500, that that, <laughs> that Trump, he was down there prancing around like a peacock and, yeah. and out there in front of the field with that limousine and, and, and all the fanfare. And they're like, release the Rona. You know, yeah, that was, yeah, that was it. Yeah. You know, y'all, y'all got the, we got to shut this now. Okay. We're off. We're completely off the rails. We are. Um,
1: so it's been so long since we had a podcast i think we just had a lot to a lot to vent about but uh anyway we're gonna try to get back in some regularity here um and we're also going to get back into we're going to rehash some of our we're going to we're going to do a reload of some of our early material uh kind of get back on uh some of the things we talked about way you know look we've proved this pandemic has proved that our system works you know that our business model works we've You know, we, we said all along, we've gone through all these different economic things. We went through, you know, all the, um, the, the other economic ups and downs since 2008 or nine. Now we've got a pandemic that we can brag about. You know, we look, we, you know, we, 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 not only did we not go out of business, we're, we're, we're expanding and, and we're, we're doing better than, than ever. Um, so it's given us a, um, a little boost of confidence even more like we, like we needed more swagger, you know? Right. But, uh, but anyway, I think it's, and, and we really do are, are really, really going to try to work on something that we can do for those people who want to get in the program, but we just can't fit you into a truck right now. So we're really, really working on that right now. Yeah,
0: Stay got tuned Got some for ideas
1: that. coming up, you know, got some ideas yeah. coming up about that. So we're actually putting some content together and, um, we kind of, we're, we're trying to figure out how to, how to make it work. So hang with us. Um, you know how to reach us, Larry at BlueRibbonLogistics dot com, Chris at BlueRibbonLogistics dot com, um, and uh, till next time,
0: be safe, See y'all. See don't ya.
1: forget, don't forget to wear your mask. Okay,
0: shut up, slaves.
1: <laughs> See you.